Hi, this is Michelle Karen De Silva and you're listening to the Unravel podcast, a place for women to engage, encourage and edify one another to passionately live out their purpose and destiny in Jesus Christ. So grab a cup of coffee as we chat about all that's raw and real, broken and beautiful, from faith to family, vocation to wardrobes and everything else in between that God is using of our stories to make his story known. Hey friends, have you ever had to struggle with having to defend your gender in this world? Do you battle with a culture that dictates how you need to act or dress just to fit into the mold of success? Is femininity just a concept or an idea to you? Well, to be honest, femininity is still very much an unexplored territory in our times. And I believe understanding the feminine genius is going to take nothing less than grit and bravery. That is why we're here on this episode, just bearing our hearts and our confusions and giving voice to our thoughts. And we're also here speaking on behalf of countless women who struggle with that same question that you and I face as we look into the mirror and ask, who am I? Why am I here? This and so much more on today's episode. I'm here together with my very close friend, my sister and my dear mentor, Anne Breton from Tasmania, Australia. A little bit about Anne. Anne is married to David and they celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary next year. Congratulations, Anne. Anne Thank has you. four sons and six granddaughters. In 2007, Anne, together with David and their youngest son, Jacob, lived in Uganda for three months as missionaries and has had a full, exciting career in the Lord. She finished her term as the Oceania representative on the International Catholic Charismatic Renewal Council, situated in Vatican. She was also a member of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal Body for Asia-Oceania and also served as the national chairperson of the renewal in Australia. And it is in through these positions that she traveled the world as a conference a speaker. And I'm so honored and privileged to have her share her experience on this podcast today. In this episode, we are going to explore, discuss, share, and believe some crucial truths to receiving the gift of femininity and how true femininity is a vivid reflection of the intrinsic value God has placed on us as women. And so, without further ado, Anne, I'm so, so super excited to be doing this podcast with you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And it's just so exciting to be here with you. Amen. Um, when you first asked me to, to do this and then you said the topic was on femininity, mm. I thought, yes, you know, that'd be easy. And immediately the picture that came to my mind was out of a small woman with delicate features, dressed well, not necessarily in pink and lace, mind you, but dressed mm -hmm. very well with an air of sophistication. And effectively, I was wiping out 99%, <laughs> including myself, of the female population on the planet. <laughs> I realised that my perception of femininity was taken more from a cultural bias rather mm. than who God created the feminine to be and the intrinsic value that we have as women. So I actually started asking my friends the same question and they'd begin answering really enthusiastically and then all of a sudden they'd say, oh, 
well, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so, I, so I think this question will have them pondering as well. <laughs> You've done so a good job you. in initiating this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're talking about people in pink and stuff. Like I've always been like this pink person. I've loved pink all my life. Uh, in fact, it's such a... I think it's like a vicious uh, thing because uh, my wardrobe like has such a lot of pink. Like people are just so fed up <laughs> of seeing pink. And no wonder my head is a mess because I'm thinking like, why is this so complicated? You know, like why, why can't we just understand this? Because think about it, like us, uh, where did we meet? Like we met in the women's toilet. <laughs> I came out and then I just bumped right into you and bam, like, you know, our destiny was just like unfolded before us. It was that simple. And it took, what, like it, it was effortless. Like our relationship was so effortless. Uh, and so when I'm coming back to understanding what does it, you know, mean for me, you know, the word feminine, um, how does it impact my relationship with you? Do I really understand, uh, you know, this gift? Because I think, um, I know that my life is a gift, of course. And uh, so that is what I offer you uh, in my friendship. But I realize that if I don't fully understand what it is that I'm offering you, then I risk keeping our relationship, you know, at a very superficial level, isn't it? And that is not what we want to do. No, that's right. And as as women... We particularly don't want to keep our relationships at a superficial level, particularly when we connect yeah. as you and I did, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's a God-given gift, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard a story recently about a man who would walk his four dogs every day in a large open field. Anyway, apparently three of them would just run off and they'd run free. They'd be running around and then they'd come back to him. But the other one would run around and around in circles. Mm. And somebody asked him one day, why does this dog not run free as well? And he said that when it was younger, it was kept in a cage. And to get its exercise, it would just run round and round in circles. And now, although it could run free, it was actually stuck in the habit of its youth. Mm. And this can be typical of us as women. You know, we can, we live in a time when we have more freedom and a louder voice than ever before, yet we get stuck in the old stereotypes and we're not free. And this is, I believe, is where like the connection that we had as mm -hmm. friends, um, we, can, we can discuss things. Yeah. And in discussing things and in growing deeper in our friendships, we give each other freedom. Amen. Amen. I and that's fantastic. That. Yeah, that's mm. fantastic. And uh and uh, yeah, like you said, you know, it's it's these stereotypes that kind of like become strongholds in our lives, isn't it? Um, you know, I was reading uh, something from uh, Father Jacques Philippe. Uh, he's done some great, astounding work on the on the church's literature when it comes to interior freedom. And um, one of the things that always, you know, gets me, I think, very also emotional. I think is is to ask myself, like, with all the freedom I profess and all the freedom that we profess uh, as humanity, like, are we really free? Are we really free? Uh, because true freedom is interior freedom. It is to be set free from what is sitting inside our soul, isn't it? And um, it's very interesting. I was reading a post on a YouTuber who apparently gained a lot of popularity for her baking skills. 
Uh, and then she like, like got very ambitious or whatever, and she extended her platform to include more homemaking skills, like maybe DIYs and like how to match perfect cushions. She would have been like, I would have gone to her YouTube like instantly <laughs> because she was like uh, <laughs> all about like, you know, perfect cushions and perfect walls and stuff like that. But here's the thing. A few weeks into her success, she received backlashes from people, women, criticizing her for stereotypically positioning women in a baker's box. Apparently, she wasn't, you know, the diva, like she wasn't showcasing her strength. And so everything that she presented, for example, you know, like very girly or in the kitchen, you know, you're pink. She wasn't fierce. She wasn't corporate. Like she wasn't powerful, aggressive, making money, uh, you know, that we see uh, today in our secular world. Yet she was possibly free. Like you, that was such a good question. Am I really free? You know, and yeah. she was probably free in all that homemaking. Yeah. Um, and I think culture has a huge influence on how we express our femininity. Um, I believe it starts at home with the attitudes of our parents and the family dynamics that we're living in and seals within us when we get to school. Now, my father is a hunter-gatherer. And his attitude to women was typical of his era. They had their uses, but men were the stronger sex. Right. Okay. So I had that when I was younger. Went to school um, and the school that I went to didn't really have any academic sort of focus at all um, because it was a small town that I lived in. But um, we were formed, us women, girls, were formed to go out into the world equipped for the typical female employment of the 70s, you know, like the typists, the secretaries, administrators and that. And, of course, this was until we were married and then we'd come home and we'd know how to sew and how to cook because we were taught it all at school. Now, fortunately, and I thank God for this, I'm from Dutch stock. And I inherited the the strong Dutch women's disposition. Mm -hmm. So I fought against this stereotypical mould. And I actually told myself that no man was going to tell me what to do. Now, needless to say, I had to work on that inner vow and that would be a a whole new podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But... But I, I really am grateful for my ancestors, for my Dutch, you know, my mm. because that is something that, that was within me and that I could um, live from. But I, I find it really amusing now because um, I have four boys and a husband, so most of my, my life I've actually lived with testosterone. <laughs> I didn't really have anything pink in the house. <laughs> that's God's, uh, you know, that's God's uh, humour. <laughs> God is very human. It is his human. It's <laughs> it's interesting you say that because in my home uh in my family it's just the opposite i have a sister and then all my cousins are girls except for one boy and guess what like you would think uh you know majority are girls so <laughs> we should get you know the strong treatment but man like he got pampered all his life we would go to my grandfather's <laughs> house and um, they would bring this huge crate of colas, you know, and uh, we would be told, uh, you know, as kids, my grandmother would say, look, cola is not very good for health. So one per day. OK. And we would say, OK, grandma. And guess what? Like Ransley, that's his name. He would get two. And I'm like, why does he get two? Because he's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather would say like, but he's a boy. And all of us would just like nod our heads <laughs> in agreement. 
And I think, uh, <laughs> I think you know, this um, has been so foundational to such a huge part of my life. Uh, and for the many years where mm. I believe the lies that um, I'm not supposed to, you know, I, I don't have to. Um, in our culture, especially, you know, men take center stage and it is, it's fully accepted, it's fully ingrained in our culture that women are behind the scenes. And so it's not common for women to speak up. And we just affirm that. We say, well, it's not, uh, it's okay that women don't speak up. So we've inherited this belief system. Uh, and because of this belief system, um, it's also ingrained in us that if we stand up for ourselves, then we stereotypically earn the reputation of being either a man-hater or you're someone who is like an outcast and you've been thrown out of your family, you don't have Indian values, you're an aggressive female, uh, you are not a spiritual person because spiritual women stay quiet and submissive. Uh, and that's, that's so, yeah, these are cultural biases. And by the way, like we, we talk about freedom, we talk about when we come to church and we say, well, the truth will set us free. But that's easier said than done. And what we fail and forget in the church very often is that culture uh, has a lot to do with how we perceive the truth even. And so God has to come like and completely mm -hmm. like invade, you know, from bottom up. He has to come into those strongholds of our childhood and uh, beginning maybe even with our conception. That is why we say, you know, inner healing, because he has to come. Uh, yes. that. And uh, interesting uh, as it is, um, you know, I was uh, on the internet, I was just kind of like digging the word feminist because like, like I told you, like my <laughs> head was a mess. And it says women's liberationist, women's rightist. I'm assuming this was derived after movements like the suffragette movements, yeah? I would, I would say so. And to me, the suffragette movement celebrated women. Mm. I mean, these women were courageous. They were trailblazers for all women then, now, and into the future. You know, they were women with names that we know and so many others who are unknown. They brought about a fun foundational change which needed to happen for women to evolve. They had a passion within them not to be like men, but to be fully feminine. That's what I believe anyway. And they stood up and said that as women, we have a voice and a voice which will add to this world and not detract from it. Mm. Just think about it. Um, if they were not convicted of their value to society and to humanity, we wouldn't be talking here today. We'd probably be at the stove. Yeah. <laughs> cooking cooking dinner or, or baking or a cake or something, walls. you know. <laughs> or wearing pink. <laughs> Whatever. And wearing pink. I still wear pink, but that's okay. But we I I, be I believe we need to celebrate these women. However, as you said, Michelle, today feminism has such a negative stereotype. And I mean, this is this is a very simple statement, and I know it's a lot more complex than this. But I just wonder if the feminist movement of the '60s had a particular emphasis on becoming like men, mm -hmm. rather than elevating women to their rightful place and promoting their uniqueness and value. I mean, it seems to me that the emphasis on becoming like men has caused anger and many hurts on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very. Mm -hmm. That is very profound. I think that is very powerful. 
because somewhere down the line, like there is such a, it's not just insecurity. I think there's like a woundedness inside, isn't it? Like, uh, because we know, uh, we know what we're capable of. And, uh, and so the, the feeling of, um, not being accepted for who you who you are in spite of having all the capabilities that you have inside to make a difference um yeah mm. like uh definitely like anger and there's definitely wounds there and i love that you say um that if they were not convicted of their value and i love that i love that you said that because i know that's true for my own life it's for such a part of my life like even as a preacher and as a mentor as a leader um, I can tell you that it's very easy to do things very superficially and get get the box ticked and everybody thinks you have it all. But to be convicted of your value, uh, that completely changes the dynamic of, you know, like what you do. So if they were not convicted of their value to society, to humanity, to the future, think about it, like to the legacy behind them, uh, we wouldn't be talking today. And I think... Um, that is so key to understanding uh, feminism. Uh, it is not an idea. It's not some external force. It's not some, I don't know, some dogma that's imposed upon us, like, you know, like an induction process that we have to go through in order to, like, step outside. But it's actually truth. It's truth of who we are. And the beauty of truth is that truth cannot be contained, isn't it? It cannot be contained. And I think it was um, in 1995 mm. that uh, St. John Paul II called for a new feminism. I really love that. Uh, just like, you know, he called for a new evangelization. And he says this, he says, it depends on us women to promote a new feminism, which rejects the temptation of imitation models of male dominion. Just like, you know, you said, you know, the fight for wanting to be men rather than rightful positions uh and he says that true feminism mm. rejects the temptation of imitation models of male domination in order to affirm the true genius of women we can only reject imitation when we know and believe and receive the truth of who we are isn't that powerful very powerful that catholic so powerful yeah that catholic feminism after all is a calling isn't it yes absolutely and it's rooted in the truth and the truth sets us free. Mm. Truth also enables us to see what is counterfeit and what is imitation. And this is all part of our journey of, of, of knowing our intrinsic value. Um, there is so much of imitation, lo imitational love in this world today, mm. isn't there? Yes. In his encyclical um, on the dignity and vocation of women. I can't say the word, Michelle. You can possibly say it. Can you say what? I, is, is it is it mulieris? I have, well, dignitatem. I don't know. I might be offending some <laughs> Italians here. <laughs> that sounds very good. Anyway, it's on the dignity and vocation of women. Yeah. So Pope St. John Paul II taught us about what he calls the feminine genius, what you, you know, oh. and he outlines four possible aspects of the feminine genius. I love that word, genius. Yeah. Um, there's receptivity, sensitivity, generosity, and maternity. And he says a woman, as well as a man, must understand her fulfilment as a person, mm. her dignity and vocation 
according to the richness of the femininity which she received on the day of creation and which she inherits as an expression of the image and likeness of God that is especially hers. And I love that, the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Okay, so we all know the creation story, right? Right. Now, are you ready for this? <laughs> In Genesis 1.27, we read, which I've already said, God created man in the image of himself. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so when we hear the word man, we immediately see a male person, don't mm. we? Well, yep. I do anyway. Mm. So how about if we listen to Genesis 1.27 this way? God created humans in the image of himself. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the image of himself, he created them. Therefore, humanity expresses the image of God, right. both men and women. Therefore, we conclude that the attributes of both male and the female are found in God. Mm. And my image of God has just grown bigger and bigger without any gender definition. God is God. We, male and female, are made in his image. Yeah, well, even the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. So mm. you're looking at uh, someone who is by far like unfathomable that's why we call so many parts of our liturgy like mysteries right there are mysteries because they're just that um, we can only behold uh, the visible image of of God in the person of Christ and just marvel at that and just marvel at what God has done uh, but the depth of God like who knows the mind of God and like he's so big and I think that these barriers you know, are a result of the fall, isn't it? We are so distorted in our heads. Um, our passions are disordered. Our emotions are disordered. Our perspectives are disordered. And it's difficult in this carnal flesh to be able to perceive and see God for for who God is. Uh, you know, for me, uh, I remember, um, you know, ever since my conversion, uh, emotions uh, was a huge breakthrough. And I say this because... You know, when I lived as an atheist, uh, one of the things that I did, and that was also to, of course, get away from, you know, what was happening in my life at home and uh, just all of the, you know, the turbulent life that I had as a, as a teen. And what I did over the years is build these defense uh, cages, these, you know, self-defense mechanisms. And I told myself, uh, I will never cry. I will never be weak. Um, you know, I'm strong and uh, have it all together. I, I can fix this and no one's going to tell me. Uh, you know, that I can't fix it. And I remember in particularly, like my grandmother, she was the the most, she was the only person you can say that, that really understood what was going on in our homes. And she was there for us. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And she was always there for me and my sister uh, when my parents were like busy fighting and stuff. And And when she died, there was like this part of my soul that was taken away and she died out of paralysis. And I remember... I remember because I had built these defense cage mechanisms, I just came to her bedside and I told myself, I will never cry. Like I will, I will never be weak. And so for years, can you imagine for years, like I never grieved the loss of my grandmother. It was locked. It was blocked in my head and in my soul. And so when I came to Christ, one of the first things that God did was to actually break through 
those defense cages because I I didn't know what it was to cry. Uh, and so in prayer, like when I found myself weeping and sometimes weeping over things I don't even know, uh, why am I crying? Like, um, I think that was such a huge, it was like this floodgate, you know, within my soul, like opening up. And we talk about these emotions, right? And we these paradigm shifts that happen in our spiritual journey, for me, uh, honestly, it was seeing these the, the emotional side of God. It was so liberating for me, like coming to scripture, seeing like God, you know, the maternal instinct of God, like the, the, the feminine genius of God, uh, if we could call it that way, the emotional side of God, God expressing himself, God feeling, God venting. Uh, it was so comforting. It was so liberating. And it, it helped yes. me understand myself as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, especially and the gaps I began to see the gaps and the, the huge chasm that existed between where I was to where I must be because I saw the side of God in scripture. Yes. Yeah. God is just, he's so big, isn't he? You know, he's not either this way or that way, but he, he's both, he's more, he's just, we, as you say, we just can't comprehend who <laughs> he is. And it's, that's, that's part of our life journey. And the invitation, I think, um, to, uh, in any given day that we have is to see God in, in a, an holistic way. Yep. And when we do that, we see the incarnational, we see the maternal, we see the relational, you know, and, and it's it's a journey. Yep. And we see things that today I see something that I didn't see yesterday. Uh, let's take, for example, the incarnational. The, dic the dictionary describes incarnation as a person who embodies in the flesh a deity, spirit or quality. And it is within the body of us women that new flesh begins life, doesn't it? Mm. We're co-creators, you know, and that's a powerful truth. To bring about new life as God did in the, in the beginning, of course, we need both male and female. Mm. Um, and Mary received the seed of the Holy Spirit into her body as new life was birthed. And I think we have to be careful as women or as women too to realise that new birth isn't just that of a child. Mm -hmm. You know, whether married, single or religious, our femininity by design can bring forth new life. Amen. Yeah, I love that. that the feminine genius isn't exclusive to just physical motherhood. I think that is very mm. uh, liberating. We can serve as a mentor, uh, you know, to a new employee, to a especially for me, for example, as, as, as a youth mentor, just to so many youth, um, they see me as a mother, as a spiritual mother, isn't it? Uh, as a sister. And, uh, and that is, that is the, the, what you say, you know, bringing forth uh, life. We can teach, uh, we can respect the diversity of opinions and perspectives and backgrounds that others bring to the table. And in that, uh, in that we get, the I would say the privilege of nurturing life growth and development isn't it absolutely and I often find that it's women who birth creative ideas do you find that yep, but, yep. you know yeah <laughs> um so what about our maternal attribute uh, it's such a powerful and inspiring reflection of God himself because the maternal instincts birth love and protection and gives us a glimpse of the love and protection that God has for us. I remember when um, I first 
found out that I was pregnant. Well, for one thing, I couldn't believe it. I, I so wanted this and then was like, oh, am I really pregnant? I kept bringing the surgery and saying, are you sure that test is correct, you know? <laughs> but almost immediately I had a connection to this tiny seed growing within me. I had hopes and dreams for this child. And if I'm honest, my life up until that time was really all about me because I was the most important thing in my life and in the world, you know. <laughs> and as I look back, I can see that through this, this maternal, this, this birth in, of new life that was growing within me, that I actually began to see and experience unconditional love for another. Mm. And, of course, that is, and that's experiencing God's unconditional love for us. Mm. Um, I remember also when I, I was pregnant with my second child, I was really, really concerned because I thought I I cannot love another child like I love this one. Mm. Oh no, this new baby's <laughs> going to be born, and all the intentions going to go to the first one, and I'm going to be really sad because I just won't be able to love the child you know, as I should. <laughs> um, but but of course, our love increases and and continues to increase, no matter how many children we have, but. Uh, but And as time goes by, our love increases, not just for our own family, but for our human family and for the world. Amen. And again, that gives us a glimpse into the heart, the maternal heart of God and his love for for humanity. It, it never stops. Never stops. You no, know, he loves us. No, he loves us unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So very powerful. Yeah, very powerful. And uh, I just remembered, uh, you know, my own journey as, you know, a second mom. Uh, and, you know, I'm such a stickler for strategies. I think it's such a disease. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't make it, you know, better when, you know, you have a job that has to deal with strategy and goals and project management and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> um, when the child comes, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I can, you know, sort of like compartmentalize and I'd say, well, maybe I won't love, uh, you know, him in the same way. And then I thought, well, my husband is there. So maybe he, he'll feel, <laughs> feel that compartment. It's so bizarre. I feel like, you know, such a, like, ah, oh, it's like a curse being a woman. Like, <laughs> and I remember like having this and I kept telling myself, no, 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 Kristen's never going to feel uh, left out I've loved her for six years and um, I don't I don't know what it was in my head but then day one after the hospital we were downstairs and a few of our friends had come over and uh, Nathan was upstairs in the crib and he began to cry for his feed and this may sound very ordinary because we always go when the child cries right and I've done that after that who knows like a zillion times but that <laughs> moment I think it was a God moment because I can remember that moment like it was yesterday. Uh, it was so profound. And I remember running up the stairs and I was crying. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> it sounds so cliche, but I was crying, heart pounding, tears streaming, snot all over the place, like running for my child. <laughs> this child that I wanted to compartmentalize, you know, and love less. Uh, but in that moment when I carried him, oh, my God, you know, God is so good. He's so good. It was a redeeming, like a healing moment for me, healing moment to those insecurities, I think. And those, uh, just those thoughts, you know, that, that hold us captive. And uh, I also think it was a very holy 
moment and love is stronger than darkness love is stronger than the lies love was so strong at that moment and i just realized oh my god like i can love him in the same way i love kristen and it's so different like i mean you can love fully fully unconditionally uh and you can love them both and um i think for me that moment was very redeeming and i was able to see god in a deeper way because of that yeah I, i can imagine there's many women listening to this podcast now who are remembering having <laughs> very similar thoughts yeah their flight to the stairs yeah <laughs> Maybe not to the stairs, but how am I? How can I possibly love another child the same way as I love this one? But isn't it wonderful that our capacity for love never ends? Yeah, you know, it just, it just, uh, our hearts just getting, it just get wider and wider, and it's just wonderful. Um, And that's an amazing gift, gift that we have as women. And also, what about if we go to the relational? I think that as women, we are very relational as well. It's not unusual for me to have um, a conversation with one one of my girlfriends in particular. It could last for two or three hours. (laughs) And my husband would say, I just don't know how you can talk for that long. What do you find to talk about, you know? And it's quite and it's quite funny now because if he sees me, I settle in on the on the telephone and he'll come in and he'll mouth my friend's name to me. And if I nod, he'll go off and he'll get a glass of wine or a cup of coffee for me, depending on the time of day, you know, because he knows that I'm in I'm in for a marathon. So. Um but as women, we cherish our friendships. Yes. And, and we put in the time to deepen those relationships. Unlike men, we don't have to have the answer to every situation, yep. even though I must admit we do like to pull it to pieces in <laughs> those situations. <Yep. laughs> um, but we listen, don't we? Yeah. We share in the joys and the sorrows of our friends and we just, just be with them, you know. Our conversations are more connections. Yeah. And we can go deep. My poor husband, I mean, sometimes I'll I'll be having a conversation with him and he'll say, oh, Anne, that's just <laughs> too deep. You know, and I've, I've sort of lost him five minutes ago. You know? <laughs> I, was, I was just re- reminding myself now of, uh, you know, the other day when you said, um, should we talk? It'll just be five minutes. <laughs> right. And we went for 40 minutes. Like it was supposed to be, I'll just give you like a quick quick one <laughs> and then we <laughs> ranted like for 40 minutes but yes um we go deep and I think that's that is so beautiful I mean life is so beautiful when when one can go deep in a relationship because isn't that what we are created for like we are yeah. relational beings and this deep within us there is this thirst for God and thirst uh, to be accepted and loved and uh, you know thirst for community and um, and when we bring, I think, the framework of our emotions into the relationships in authenticity, in authenticity, uh, we build trust. And uh, trust has to grow deep. Um, and I think those emotions, those connections, uh, they give us just that. They allow trust to grow deep. You know, one of my favorite quotes in the catechism 
is the definition of what it means to be human. You'll find that at the end of the book. And it gives uh, three or four, I think, like profound definitions. One of them, of course, being uh, the creation story, so made in the image and likeness of God. And then I think it says, uh, capable of self uh, possession, freedom, uh, you know, and self will. Uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the part that we, you know, have a free will to make our choices. But the last one says, made to live in communion with God and with others. And I love that. I love that. And it's taken me such a long journey to understand this truth, why I do what I do. Because when we own this truth, like you always say, you know, we have to own this truth. Uh, can we truly fulfill our role as givers, protect us? Because it's easy to give. It's easy to protect I think it's just human instinct to give and to protect. But when you see that role in the lens of who we are, made you know, in the image and likeness of God, made to live in communion with God, and from that relationship flows you know, all of our you know, connections with people, then we can say, like you always teach me, we will you know, complete each other, not compete with one another. Mm -hmm. And so we say self-image. I'm first a daughter of God. And then I'm a mother. I'm a wife, sister, you know, mentor, all of these other things. But I'm his beloved. And to receive this truth, and I can tell you how long it's taken me. Even now, I think there's such a lot of healing that I need on the inside to just receive the truth. I am his beloved. And therefore, I'm a gift. I'm a gift to you. For example, in our relationship, I'm a gift to the church and um, to the world isn't it i'm into that yes that's so true i'm we are daughters first and that's our identity in christ and this identity can shape all of our ideas in uh, all of our ideas in life you know and it shapes who we are yeah and and our identity in christ gives us the courage to actually see who we think we are but who God knows who we are and yeah. reveals that to us i love um nelson mandela um, and he said, this is one of my favorite quotes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our mm. deepest fear is that we, we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? Mm. Actually, who are you not to be? Mm. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. Mm. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. Mm. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Wow. Isn't that, oh, oh that, is wow. just, that is just so fat, powerful, you know? Yeah, it's very powerful, yeah. Yeah. We recognise our abilities that contribute to the world and we lean on each other where that need is appropriately placed. Mm. With connection, when, I, I love this, with connection, when I am weak as a friend, you mm. can then be my strength, mm. you know? Yeah. And maybe when you are weak, that is when I am strong so I can be your strength. Mm. Um, when we rely only on ourselves, we have to, have to prove that we're fine, thanks. We don't need any help, you right. know. Yeah. And in actual fact, we're just isolating ourselves. Mm. And 
we are not made unless you're a hermit <laughs> um to live to live in isolation yeah. we're relational and yeah. god made us that way yeah if we are not in a relationship with each other then how how are we going to know the relationship that god has with us if we haven't experienced it at our at our human level then how are we going to know it at at the level of at his level yeah. and i love it that um jesus taught us how to pray right right and he said our father so it's his father and your father mm. it's his father and my father mm. it's our father we're in relation we are in relationship with god and what, you can't get more connected than that, can you? No. Our father, no. our father, you know, no matter who we are, he is our father and we are all connected. And in Jeremiah, it says, God says to us, before you were born, I knew you. Wow. wow. That is, wow. You know, like There was a life before we were born. Mm. And that's our connectedness with God. The fullness of who I am resides in my relationship with God. In him I live and move and have my existence. Amen. In him I bear fruit. In him I can do all things. In him I use my gifts to build the body of Christ. Amen. In him, in him, you know? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen. I think we should just say that again. Like in him I can do <laughs> all things. Yeah, in him I can use my gifts to build the body of Christ. You see that security so oftentimes we we fight with this insecurity, isn't it? Especially mm -hmm. with regards to giftedness in the church. Like we want to fight and compete and we wrestle. Yep. Uh, but in him, when you have, you just receive the truth. And I think uh, who better than uh, Mary, uh, you know, to ponder on when it comes to the gift of receptivity because she received the gift of who she was. Um, she received the gift of being a beloved daughter of God because of that, she was able to transmit this truth onto others. And Mary, um, she's the woman of the word of God. She knows the word of God. Um, and she receives the word. I think that's so fundamental that she receives the word. And as St. John Paul II says, she has a relationship with the word of God. And hence, when the angel comes to her, rather than impulsively acting upon it, either with a yes or a no, she ponders and she has an interior dialogue. I love that the church says that, that she has an interior dialogue because the word of God is a person. Uh, it's a person of Christ. And she has an interior dialogue with him. She's dependent on him. And that is, you know, what makes her strong. That is her strength. And that is her humility. Isn't that like a great, great way to see her? Like she's humble, but she's also strong. Uh, she's a strong woman. She's a warrior. You know, she's a courageous, courageous woman. Yes, she's, and I mean, she's such a powerful witness to the women of the world today. Um, like Jesus, Jesus's life in part was shaped by his mother. Yeah. You know, um, and the scriptures tell us so little about Mary's life, really, yet she birthed the saviour of the world. Yeah. This woman that we really you know the scriptures tell us so little about and what i love about um mary too is that um because the scriptures tell us so little she is a reflection of the women today who are not known oh yeah you know there because there's Beautiful. so many courageous humble warrior women um whose names will never be known yet they've influenced those around them and changed the world in which we live 
We'll never know. We'll never know their names. Very powerful. Yet, like yeah, like Mary, you know, because of their their courage, they shaped their children. They shaped the world around them. Mm. 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 And that's like uh, what do you call, um, you know, the eternal perspective? Because her eyes um, were not for the here and now. Like her eyes and her soul and her whole being was fixated yeah. on the eternal perspective, and so. You know, in light of that price, uh, whether known or unknown, I'm going to make a difference, you know, and that is what she teaches us. And I love, uh, you know, Mary's fiat uh, was not just a one-time thing, as the church teaches us, like St. John Paul II, I think, beautifully says that her fiat was perpetual. It had to be continually renewed. Uh, that was not the only choice she made at the Annunciation. She had to make fundamental choices onward. And I can imagine, uh, if that was so difficult, I can imagine in that culture what it might have been for a teenage girl in that culture, in the Jewish patriarchal culture, to be faced with choices every single day, but she had to choose the light every single day, like we have to choose the light every single day. And we know, isn't it? We know when, you know, we know the joy that we experience when we choose the light. And we also know the heartbreak we experience when we don't. And so that is why Jesus tells us to pick up the cross, to die to self, because those choices are embedded in knowing that there is a cross to bear. There is a cross to bear. And especially in our culture, it requires nothing but bravery. Because in our culture, you know, we are offered quick fixes, fleeting promises. Uh, there's too much, uh, you know, it's it's the choices before us. Every single day, temptations lurk around us every single day, but the cross, the cross. Yes, we may have some losses to bear, but the gain is infinite, isn't it? The gain is infinite. Yes, yes. And sometimes the cross we have to bear is to actually see who we are really created to be. Mm. Um, because sometimes, you know, sometimes we shy away from that. But God wants us to live the fullness of life. He wants to, us to live the fullness of being a woman. He wants us to live as he created us to be. Mm -hmm. And that take like with Mary, that takes courage. Yep. Um, and as you say, we, we need to take up our cross. Um, God has given us an, in, an invitation as women, I think, um, and if we have the courage to live as he created us to be, fully woman, mm. fully alive, well, we will inspire other women to do the same, mm. not only in our time but for generations to come. Amen. And it's, and it's really being who he created us to be. Amen. You know, there's this one of my favourite quotes of all times is from St. Arrhenius who says, the glory of God is the human person fully alive. I love that. Yes. So, <laughs> interior freedom, uh, receiving the gift of who we are, uh, being set free, and then being fully alive so that the light can shine in and through us. Wow, like that is so profound. You know, and we could just, um, we could sit here, like we said, you know, our five minute conversations run <laughs> to 40 minutes. So, <laughs> so we could just, yeah, like 24 seven is not enough for us, but um, this has been like an amazing journey with you. And it's been so wonderful to do this with you. And uh, my prayer for, uh, you know, us and all those listening to this podcast is regardless, uh, 
you know, of their circumstances that they will find the freedom of who they are in Christ. And in it, they will discover this great and awesome plan that God has for them, whether known or unknown. And um, that is my prayer for everyone listening to this podcast. So I would be really, uh, really privileged if you could pray a blessing over all of us. Okay. I thank you, Lord, for all the women who are listening to this podcast now. I thank you that you made each one of us in your image. I thank you that you have asked us simply to live who you created us to be. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will give each of us the courage to be that person, to be your light in the world and to shine, to be your face to those that we meet. So Holy Spirit, please empower us, be with us and heal the hurts. There are many women listening to this podcast now, Lord, who have been hurt mm. as being a woman. Maybe they've been rejected. But whatever it is, I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you bring your powerful healing and you heal those wounds and bring each one of us to the fullness of life in you. Amen. 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 God bless you, Anne. It was great having you here. Oh, God bless you too. And thank you again for asking me. <laughs> Praise God. Friends, I also want to take this moment to bless you for tuning in and staying with us. I'd love to hear your heart. If you have any feedback on today's show or if you have something that will add to these thoughts, Anne and I would love to hear from you. Feel free anytime to write to Anne on Facebook. She can be found there as Anne Breton. And you can find me on my social media handles. That's Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under the name Michelle Karen De Silva. So sisters, until next time, live your feminine creative genius. And I'm praying for you all. Mm-hmm.